Your drunken kisses as light as the air Maybe everything that falls down Eventually rises Our house sinking into disrepair Ah, but look at this showroom Filled with fabulous prizes Good morning and welcome to episode 997 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index, Baseball Reference, and our Patreon supporters. I'm Sam Miller of ESPN, along with Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer. Hello, Ben. Hello. We got uh, we got appointments with people, so we should probably not banter. I don't know. Do you have any banter? Did you have anything you needed to talk about? Well, this might be too in-depth for a banter. I was just reading our friend Will Leach's list of the 10 biggest sports stories of the year, and he had the Cubs winning the World Series as the top sports story of the year. It seems pretty indisputable that the Cubs winning the World Series are the top sports story of the year. Obviously, there are people who just don't care about a baseball team no matter what, but I think in the larger conversation that makes sense. And I was just trying to think of when baseball last had the top sports story of the year. I don't know whether anything comes to mind immediately, but... Yeah, the Mitchell Report. I mean, I don't remember what else happened that year, but I don't know. What what year was the Mitchell Report? I think it was like uh, 2000... I don't know, 6? 7. Yeah, 7. So... I don't know. I would guess that might be it. I think that uh, the 2001 World Series probably would qualify. Yeah, that might be it. Of course, the Maguire race, uh, the Maguire-Sosa race would have been... uh, Yeah, it's hard to know without knowing everything else that was going on. 2004, what competes with the Red Sox in 2004? Yeah, maybe that's it. Can we talk about this after... (laughs) I have people waiting. It's a work day. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So, Ben, I don't know if you saw this, but after Edwin Encarnacion signed with the Indians, there was some headline that the A's had had made an offer uh, that had been rejected. I think maybe they had even offered more. It's interesting that it seems to me that the A's uh, lead baseball in second place free agency finishes. Like, like relative to how many free agents they sign, it seems like we hear about every free agent they almost sign. And I, I wonder if it's because we're just interested in the A's generally and they don't sign that many players. And so it's interesting that they would be bidding for players when they sign so few expensive players. But anyway, I guess that's not really a uh, appropriate topic either. But, uh, I started thinking uh, about the A's depth chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, all, all these moves uh, of the last, if you look at the A's transactions of the last few months, I hadn't really kind of thought of them as a, as, as a group, but like they, they traded Danny Valencia, who was one of their better hitters last year and, and, you know, but is also Danny Valencia. They traded him. They released Billy Butler. They traded Chris Coughlin last summer. They traded, of course, Josh Reddick for a bunch of young pitchers. They traded Coco Crisp. The player that they got for Coughlin, uh, Arismendi Alcantara, was released. And that's pretty much it. Like, that's their transactions. And then they have one signing that we'll probably uh, end up bringing up in a few minutes. But uh, this leaves a depth chart that I was really struggling as I walked around this morning to fill in in my head. And rather than uh, than use me as a gauge or you as a gauge and perhaps embarrass us, I thought... Well, I thought we would play a little game show called Can You Name the A's Starter? Uh, and so we're going to have two guests on, both baseball knowledgeable, but uh, but just uh, they have they have passed no test to uh, to get on this. They were the first two people to reply to my <laughs> invitation on Twitter, my invitation 
do you know a bit about baseball and want to come on our podcast? So we're going to have them on. And this is partly inspired by a thing that I wrote about Bob Melvin uh, and his face a couple years ago in, in which I imagined a family on Family Feud trying to name the A's manager because Bob Melvin was uh, seems to me to be one of the most anonymous managers in baseball, particularly for how long he's been a manager. Uh, and in this uh, fake scenario, not only could the family not name Bob Melvin, but nobody in the survey did either. Uh, and so I am kind of a, uh, I guess I'm just deciding that the A's are my official game show team. And so we're going to, I've wanted to do a game show on this podcast for a very long time. And so we're going to do it. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. I feel sorry for these guys in advance. So bring them on. We're going we're gonna to call Eric and Steve. So our first guest, uh, our first uh, contestant, I should say, on this uh, game show that he doesn't know that he has just joined is Eric <laughs> Roseberry. Eric is also the host of a baseball podcast called On Baseball Writing, and Ben has been a guest on it. Eric is also, uh, he wrote a piece that last week when, when we went over my some of the articles on the Patrick Dubuque spreadsheet of every author's self-selected favorite piece of the year. Eric's piece on rooting for a bad team, the Reds, uh, was the last one cut. I would have, uh, if we'd had 10 more minutes, that would have been what we talked about. Uh, but instead, by chance, he's here. Hello, Eric. Hey, how's it going? It's good. So, uh, Eric, tell me, uh, what's your first baseball memory? Uh, my first baseball memory is the 1991 World Series, the Kirby Puckett home run in Game Six. Were you? Did you have an interest in the uh, in the outcome of that game, or was it just the first one that you watched and and it left a, a memory? First one I watched and it left a memory. All right, Eric. Let me ask you. Uh, also, when you go to the park and they have the uh, the, the hat game on the on, on the on the big screen where there's a ball hidden under the hat and it's like a version of three card Monty and you got to guess where the ball is. Do you play along? <laughs> Uh, I do. I don't know if I want to admit that, but yes, I do. All right. Well, Eric, uh, we're going to be playing Can You Name That A's Position Starter uh, in a moment. First, we have to get <laughs> first we have to get our second contestant. Uh, his name is Steve. He is a member of the BP Prospect team. Uh, he is here also to play our game Can You Name That A's Position Player. Uh, Steve, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, what is a scouting report of you as a ball player? I didn't play baseball growing up. <laughs> I was a culinary, so, I was a culinary student for uh, for quite a while. I picked up the game late. I can't ex I can't really explain why. And I burned out on culinary school, went to business school, and never really picked up or threw a baseball. What's a scouting report of you as a cook or as a chef? I wasn't fast, but I was ac I, I was accurate. I did a lot of uh, a Asian specialties. Uh -huh. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, and uh, did you ever collect baseball cards? I think I might have some like old expansion Tampa Bay Double Rays expansion cards, but that's really it. Who's your least favorite baseball player? <laughs> For a while, I have no. I can't tell you why. Julio Lugo, I was not a fan of. All right. <laughs> um, but to give you like a better answer, probably Vicente Padilla. Okay. All right. A lot of people don't like him. All right. So we are playing, can you name that A's position player? I forget what the name of the game is. I've said it differently every time, but I'm going to give each of you a position. You are going to tell me who the starting player is for the Oakland Athletics at that position. If you can't name it, or if you name it incorrectly, your, uh, your opponent will have a chance to steal. If neither of you can name it, Ben and I will move on. Uh, it's not, it's not <laughs> these are current players, I'm guessing. Yes. Okay. So these are the players who are currently projected 
on the Oakland A's depth chart to be the starting player at that position. And everybody who's looked at depth charts uh, is sort of aware of this phenomenon where sometimes the same player will be at multiple positions. So in, in one case, I had, to, uh, uh, I had to choose which position I think he's going to play based on who's higher. Right? Anyway, it doesn't really matter. You don't have any uh, real incentive to get this right anyway. So we'll just go, go on ahead. All right. Okay. So, Eric, you will be our first. Uh, you will go first. Eric. <laughs> I should mention that uh, just because being put on the spot on the podcast can be nerve-wracking, whenever uh, Sam quizzes me on something, I I say, uh, for 45 (laughs) seconds and then edit it out later, just so you know. So feel free to to do that as well. Wonderful. Do you have a time limit to answer or just his guess? (laughs) Yeah, I don't. We, we we don't have any. This is this is definitely just the pilot. So it, it's okay <laughs> if we get some things wrong. All right, Eric, you're gonna go first. Eric, name the Oakland A's shortstop. That might be one of the only ones I know. Marcus Simeon. That is correct. You got the round one question correct, which I thought would be the the easiest one, and that's why it was number it was number one. For that, you get five <laughs> points. Marcus Simeon. Uh, I believe the A's All-Star. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. I don't know who the A's All-Star was <laughs> last year. Semyon is a shortstop. He had 27 home runs last year. He is a known major leaguer acquired in a uh, fairly ho- high-profile trade. Uh, if uh, if I were asked to name an Oakland Athletic uh, position player, he would be the first one I would name. So congratulations. You get five points uh, somewhere John Chenier is keeping score. All right. Next question to you, Steve. Steve, name the Oakland A's catcher. It's the guy listed. It's the guy listed on the depth chart catcher, even if he doesn't catch that much. It is the well, yeah, it is. I was gonna say it's Vote, but I, I don't know how much he actually catches. Stephen Vote. It is Stephen Vote, and last year he caught uh, 113 games and started 103 of them. So I think that is an accurate portrayal of his role. So good job, Stephen Vote, uh, one of my all-time favorite players. And he was the A's All-Star last year. In fact, he was the A's All-Star each of the last two years, uh, or an A's All-Star each of the last two years. A two-win player, uh, a uh, 31-year-old with a career OPS plus of 103. We have, uh, we have exhausted two of the A's nine positions. All right, Eric, round two to you. Who is the A's first baseman? I won't draw this out very long. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, you gotta one. guess. You gotta guess. <laughs> I, the uh, only requirement here is a name must be offered. <laughs> because he's the only A's first base. I know it's not Scott Hatterberg, but it, I have, it's not Scott Hatterberg. Uh, but that's a good guess. <laughs> that's my guess. I have no clue. All right, uh, Steve, you get a chance to steal. Do you know the A's first baseman? It's kind of like the same thing I had. It's like I think he plays first base, but I think he plays other positions too. Give me the. Give me the. Is it Canna? It is not Canna. Yeah, I was gonna say Jason Giambi. It's my next guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> it is Yonder Alonso. Yonder Alonso. Alonso, of course, uh, is in that way that sometimes a trade tree can be worse for a manager or for a general manager than a trade itself. Yonder Alonso was traded for, uh, was acquired for Drew Pomeranz, and then. Pomeranz, like five months later, was traded uh, to Boston for Anderson Espinoza. And just the world looks so much different if you have Anderson Espinoza under your control rather than Yonder Alonso. Uh, but the A's didn't do that. Uh, Alonso last year, as a first baseman, hit 253, 316, 367. That's an OPS plus of 91. 
His war was minus 0.1, and he is the A's projected <laughs> starting first baseman. All right. Mark Canna did play five games at first base, so he is he's not at the top of the depth chart, but he's on the depth chart. So. I, thought his, I thought his rule five year he played a lot first base. Yeah, Mark Hanna played first base two years ago. Pretty good, pretty good. Not bad. All right, Steve, it's your turn. Steve, name the Oakland A's designated hitter. Well, it's not Billy Bower anymore. They got they cut ties with him. They did. He is released. Is it Chris Davis? It's Chris Davis. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I kind of can't figure out who I think is going to be their left fielder, but that'll be so, a while, <laughs> guess later. <laughs> Chris Davis, yeah, Chris Davis is a tricky one. He is projected to be both the designated hitter and the left fielder. However, there is another player listed at left field as well. There is no other player listed at DH who isn't also a primary position somewhere else. And Chris Davis played 50 games at DH last year, 53 starts last year with Billy Butler there. So I would imagine uh, that that probably makes him the DH. Chris Davis is, I don't know, if you had to bet on an A to make the All-Star game this year among their position players, probably is it would be him. He hit 42 home runs last year. Uh, he has developed into a very fine hitter, 2.8 war last year. Uh, and uh, he's also, uh, this is his first year of arbitration eligibility, and it makes you wonder how long he will be an Oakland athletic. But for now he is. Steve gets the points. That is 2-1, to 10-5, to five, however we're doing. All right, Eric, they're getting tougher now, okay? Just want to let you know that we got the easy ones out of the way. <laughs> All right, Eric, <sighs> who is the Oakland athletics right fielder? <laughs> oh. I'm gonna think twice before responding on Twitter to a request like this again. Um, <laughs> oh, geez, I have no clue. Uh, I will give you a hint. He has never played okay, a game okay. with the Oakland Athletics. Oh, uh, bu- 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 um, Matt Joyce. Matt Joyce. It's Matt <laughs> oh! Joyce. Good pull. Very good. Very good. Matt Joyce, who one year ago hit 174 for the uh, Los Angeles Angels, but then had a career resurgence in a platoon role with Pittsburgh, hit 242, 403, 463 in part-time play, good for 1.6 war. He has been the A's big signing to date this offseason, thanks to Edwin Encarnacion's choice not to go there. What did he sign for? What did Matt Joyce sign for? I think it was like 2.5 million. I think it was like two years and 11, I think. Yeah, two years and 11. Yeah, so it was... Two years and 11 million. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So we are at two to two, but it is Steve's turn. He has a chance to retake the lead. Steve, who is the Oakland Athletics third baseman? Uh, It's not Valencia, who they got got rid of, but for beating up for something with Billy Butler. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it was Butler that got rid of for something to do with Billy Butler. I think Valencia hung on for the rest of the year. He's a Mariner now. Isn't he's he? A, he is a Mariner now. He is okay. not on this depth chart, but I know he's. He, I know he's going to be on. At least he's slated to be on Team Israel. I know that. How's that right? You know more useful, about useful, you know, useful you knowledge. You know more about Team Israel's depth chart than some of us know about uh, I've done some work. I did some work for Team Israel going to WBC, but uh, oh, it's the the third baseman, the guy they called up Healy. It is Ryan, Ryan Healy. It is Ryan Healy. Uh, Ryan Healy is uh, my favorite kind of player. It is the kind of it, it is the player who gets promoted to the majors and does better in the majors than he had done, even unadjusted, even not adjusted for co- uh, competition, does better than he had been doing in the minors. Uh, Healy was, uh, you know, basically, I, I mean, Steve, you would know better than I would, but a non-prospect 
you know, for the most part, he was just a... Uh, he was a fairly high draft, like third, fourth round. He was a third rounder, but not a name that really most of us, any of us knew a year ago. Unless you really love the Oakland Athletics. Yes. A midseason call-up, hit 13 homers in 72 games, 305, 337, 524. Uh, slash line, he also struck out 60 times and walked only 12 in uh, almost 300 plate appearances. Uh, and so that is a troublesome... I actually just acquired... Uh, so I uh, I have a uh, philosophy that the nicest thing you can do uh, in this world is to accept somebody else's fantasy trade proposal. Uh, and so I, uh, I'm i in a league that, uh, that I have... I, I'm, any league that I'm in, I've basically quit doing anything in. Uh, and I'm just sort of grandfathered in, and I hit the accept button every year. And so okay. in this league that I uh, do very little managing, and somebody made me an offer, and it was one of those offers where there were like five guys coming over for one and all of that. But I thought, eh, it's a, he made this tr- offer in good faith, so I accepted it, and I am now the proud owner of one Ryan Healy in, a, <laughs> in, a, in an on-base percentage league. And now you all know what I'm going to be rooting for in April. All right, uh, Steve is up three to two. Uh, we have three positions to go, if you can believe it. Uh, <laughs> Eric, Eric, who is mm-hmm. the Oakland Athletics second baseman? Oh, uh, uh, Jed Lowry? It is Jed yes. Lowry. Yes! When did Jed Lowry become <laughs> an athletic again? He uh, he re he uh, was uh, traded uh, almost exactly one year ago. Last off season, Houston traded him back to Oakland for Brendan McCurry, and Lowry had uh, the worst year of his career uh, with uh, with the A's this year. His OPS plus dropped to seventy nine. His WAR was negative point four. His defense rated out as minus eight, and he had two home runs. Uh, all year. So he is their starting second baseman, uh, according to this depth chart. They also have Joey Wendell, who is probably a, a bit more promising in the long term. To be fair, I would not have gotten the third baseman, so some of this has been luck of the draw. Uh-huh. Well, that's a big part of baseball game shows. <laughs> all right, Steve, who is the Oakland A's center fielder? If you get this, just, I mean, if you get this, then you get my job. Oh, man, now, now you're really giving me, uh, you really make me want to look now. <laughs> Uh, I have zero clue, so I'm just going to name the guy they traded Billy Burns. It is, oh, I forgot they traded Billy Burns. It is uh, Jake Smoke. Oh, I'm sorry, Steve, uh, Eric, I was supposed to give you a chance to steal. Uh, it's if really you can, okay. If, if you can even say the last syllable of the name I just said. <laughs> or his last name? <laughs> it's Jake Smolinski. <laughs> Jake Smolinski, 28-year-old this year, was selected off waivers in June of 2015 from the Texas Rangers. He played 99 games for the A's last year with an OPS plus of 80, 238, 299, 345 slash line, one steal, seven homers, a war of minus 0.3, and he is projected to be their starting center fielder at the moment. So we are tied going into the final position. Um, and There's a position left? So whoever says the correct name first, I guess, can have this one. So fingers on the buzzer, who is the Oakland A's left fielder? Oh, is, is it the guy they got from Kansas City? No. And Chris Davis does not apply here. Uh, Chris Davis does not apply. Then I have no idea. That's appropriate. Uh, is it Canna? It is Canna. And uh, the guy they got from Kansas City is Brett Eibner, and he is uh, he is 
third or second at all the outfield <laughs> spots. Uh, but he is uh, th- only third in left field behind Canna and Chris Davis. It is Mark Canna, who I believe batted 20. He didn't play a well lot last year. He, did bat- he? he batted 44 times for the A's last year. He hit 122 uh, without a walk. Struck out 20. So 41 in bats, 20 strikeouts, no walks. I say it's not a good ratio. <laughs> in in 16 total games, 44 total plate appearances, he was minus 0.4 WAR, and I don't I don't know what injury he was dealing with because he wasn't playing in the minors either. Uh, hopefully, it was just a blip, and he'll be back because he is projected to be the A's left fielder. Thank you both for playing, Steve. You are the winner of the yes. Oakland A's depth chart game, uh, and we will never call either of you back again. Ah, that's unfortunate. (laughs) What does Steve win? Uh, He wins fourth place in the AL West uh, ahead of the A's. (laughs) I'll take that. Okay. All right. Well, you can find both of these guys at Baseball Prospectus, by the way, at the uh, the prospect team for Steve. He's on Twitter also at Steve Guyvers. And Eric is on Twitter at Eric Roseberry. And you can listen to his baseball podcast on baseball writing, which I subscribe to and recommend. So, they will uh, hopefully get a few followers to make up for this torture. <laughs> Good talking to you guys. Thanks, guys. So, uh, Ben, in all seriousness, uh, it is a it is an interest. I mean, this is a very interesting roster for how kind of uninteresting it is. We are so I think we're so used to teams that you know start to fall off, uh, start to fall out of contention. Uh, there, it almost lately seems like there is a race to be the first one to acknowledge that you need to rebuild. Teams that I think you could even make the case. Uh, could compete, like we talked about with the White Sox, are tearing down. And the A's have um, generally have not done that. They have never done a full rebuild, at least uh, in the last many years. So part of this is uh, the result of making trades that were intended to keep them respectable in the short term. The you know the Josh Donaldson trade, for for example, is a, a case of, of that. And part of it is the uh, ripples of going quote-unquote, all in uh, 2014. But I guess what's interesting, uh, like I said, what's interesting about this roster is that there isn't, like, I don't know, it's it's a, it's a like not it's not exciting. It's not an exciting bad team. It's a, it's a team that just sort of feels like they got backed into a lot of players at various positions. And so if I were running this team, I honestly don't have any idea what my goal would be. I don't know what there is here. Uh, so I don't know mm-hmm. how to even follow the A's this year. Yeah, the most exciting A's offseason story was that Matt Holiday put them on his no-trade list. <laughs> they were the only team because he just so didn't want to be back on the A's, I guess. So other than that, it's been pretty quiet. Yeah, and... I don't, it's been, I mean, they've been kind of a confusing team for a few years now because they haven't really had a discernible plan. Like the last time they got good, which surprised everyone, we kind of came up with reasons why they were good. Like there was the, they signed lots of hitters with fly ball breakdowns, high fly ball percentages. And, and that was a good thing because uh, there were more ground ball pitchers. And so maybe they were ahead of the game and getting fly ball guys who would be good against ground ball guys or something. And I don't know, we talked about them like positional flexibility. They were getting guys who could play all over the place. And that was something they were doing too, but they just kind of got good unexpectedly. And then, yeah. 
Yeah, and probably all those things that we came up with to explain why they were good, probably to some degree was just trying to think too hard. Yeah. Come up with something counterintuitive. If you look at the teams that, that, you know, they had when they were good, they got, I mean, they made a lot of good decisions and they had a lot of players get good. And so uh, Brandon Moss, for instance, they got for basically nothing and he turned out to be really good. He was a very good power hitter for a number of years for them. And Josh Reddick, they traded Andrew Bailey, they get Josh Reddick. It's not like everybody saw them get Josh Reddick and went, well, that's a three to four win player for the next five years. And he was, and they signed Cespedes. He turned out to be uh, the best version of that. Josh Donaldson developed after that position change. So uh, so that was big. Uh, Jed Lowry was a much better ball player at the time. They got Derek Norris in the, in the Gio Gonzalez trade and he developed into something good. And basically they made a bunch of position, they made a bunch of transactions where the players they got were either better than the industry uh, was evaluating them at, or they made trades where the player they got was better than the player they gave away. And I mean, I think that like this is just the opposite. They've made a bunch of trades or a bunch of moves in the last few years that haven't worked out. And sometimes they've made the other kind of trade. I think like the Rich Hill signing obviously was a great signing and then they got a good return for him. But I mean, if you just look at their trades themselves, it's not so much a, a matter of like, well, what philosophy are they following here? Or what what edge are they trying to work here? It's just, well, you know, they, they traded a player and they got a worse player. And sometimes that happens and it seems like it's happened a number of times. I mean, the Alonzo deal, the Donaldson deal, the Cespedes deal. Well, I guess the Cespedes deal was... Uh, explainable and made sense in the moment for what they were prioritizing. So I guess not the Cespedes deal, but the Samarja deal, maybe, arguably. They've just sort of not really gotten a lot of exciting pieces when they've had things to trade. Yeah, and the one signing that perplexed everyone was the Billy Butler, and that worked out about as well as the people who were criticizing that signing thought it would. So... They haven't uh, showcased their their brilliance lately. Yeah. Some people have written articles about like, you know, have they been overtaken by other teams kind of following the A's model and signing lots of stat heads and having internal systems and everything. And if you look at the the A's website or, or, you know, media guide, they don't have a huge analytics department although they're they're sort of secretive about who is and isn't in it but it's hard to say exactly where they stand in that kind of hierarchy of teams that are into stats also now so i don't know they're one of those teams that's very hard to pin down right now what they're trying to do or what their philosophies are yeah and it, and it's uh i mean they have gotten good like they got a good return on Zobrist, I think. They got a good return on Rich Hill. It's just that they're all pitchers. And so when you're looking at their depth chart uh, around the diamond, uh, none of those guys are reflected uh, in that. But like I said at the beginning uh, about the, the fact that sometimes a trade tree can look worse for the GM than just a single trade. And if you look at like kind of the four moves that in a, in a lot of ways define the last three years or so for the A's, it's not necessarily that trading Cespedes uh, for Lester was bad, but then to see Cespedes get traded for Michael Fulmer, and you imagine, oh, well, geez, it'd be cool to have Michael Fulmer. And then the Addison-Russell trade, and then almost immediately trade Samarja for Marcus Simeon, and so it sort of looks like a Russell for Simeon swap. The Josh Donaldson trade was already, you know, going to be bad enough, but then to trade Brett Lowry for almost, uh, you know, for very little, very soon after, a year later, uh, makes that look even worse. Uh, and then the, uh, you know, the Pomeranz trade, where the Padres would 
I mean, that's probably the single best move that the Padres have made, turning Yonder Alonso into Espinosa uh, mm-hmm. in the Prelo regime. And so all of those have just aged worse as other transactions have happened uh, around them. Well, I'm impressed by both of our guests. What did they get? Seven out of the nine positions? That is it's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> they did. It's very good. <laughs> Yeah. So, all right, we'll have him back on tomorrow, and we'll say, can you <laughs> can you name the A's AAA relief depth? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, you want to? Do you want to finish talking about the Will Leach thing, or are we done with that? I don't have an answer. So. All right. Sounds good to me. Okay. All right. See you. All right, so that will do it for today. Five listeners who have supported the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash effectivelywild are Ben Wilbur, Miles Johnson, Kylie Likuski, Scott Andrews, and Amanda Rose. Thanks to all of you. You can buy our book, The Only Rules It Has to Work, our wild experiment building a new kind of baseball team. For more information, check out theonlyrulesithastowork.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectivelywild, and you can rate and review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Contact me and Sam at podcast at baseballperspectives.com or by messaging us through Patreon, and we will talk to you soon. Who are these guys?